Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, we'll break down last night's debacle. Donald Trump was a brute. He was obnoxious, a narcissist, loud, mean, nasty. And now the Presidential Debate Commission, they are making a big change for the next debate. We'll break it down. New details in the Breonna Taylor case. Now the Kentucky Attorney General admits he did not pursue murder charges against the cops who shot and killed Breonna Taylor. Also, a court in New York, they're ordering a review of the Eric Garner case. Folks, we got a jam-packed show. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Last night's presidential debate in Cleveland between Donald Trump and Joe Biden was an absolute unmitigated disaster. First and foremost, uh, Chris Wallace could not even control uh, Donald Trump, who kept interrupting people. Uh, one analysis showed that Donald Trump interrupted Joe Biden some 76 different times. Biden interrupted Trump about 15 times. Have no idea, folks. Here's a round of what happened last night. Trump, you have often said that you believe you have done more for black Americans than any president, with the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln. My question for the two of you is why should voters trust you rather than your opponent to deal with the race issues facing this country over the next four years? Vice President Biden, you go first. It's about equity and equality. It's about decency. It's about the Constitution. And we have never walked away from trying to require equity for everyone, equality for the whole of America. But we've never accomplished it. But we've never walked away from it like he has done. This is a man who, in fact, you talk about helping African-Americans. One in 1,000 African-Americans has been killed because of the coronavirus. And if he doesn't do something quickly, by the end of the year, one in 500 will have been killed. One in 500 African-Americans. This man, this man is the, is the savior of African-Americans. This man cares at all. This man's done virtually nothing. Look, the fact is that you have to look at what he talks about. You have to look at what he did. And what he did has been disastrous for the African-American community. So, Pre President Trump, you have two minutes. Why should Americans right. trust you over your opponent to deal with racism? He did a crime bill, 1994, where you call them super predators, African-Americans, super predators. And they've never yes, forgotten it. They've never forgotten it, Joe. No, no, sir. It's his two minutes. So you did that, and they call you a super predator. And I'm letting people out of jail now that you have treated the African-American 
population community. You have treated the black community about as bad as anybody in this country. You did the 1990, and that's why, if you look at the polls, I'm doing better than any Republican has done in a long time, because they saw what you did. You call them super predators, and you've called them worse than that, because you look back at your testimony over the years, you've called them a lot worse than that. Well, the biggest part of the debate came on the issue when Chris Wallace asked Donald Trump about white supremacists. This was the defining moment of last night's debate. You have repeatedly we criticized the, the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist right. groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, 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 what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right like me to condemn? White proud supremacists and right proud boys. Stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem. His this is a left-wing This is a left-wing problem. White supremacist. Antifa's an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. That's what oh, his it's an idea. FBI his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then, you know what? No, no, we're, do we're done, sir. Everybody, we're moving on to the next. We're moving on to the next. That's not an idea. Everybody Antifa in your administration tells you the truth is a, has a bad idea. Can I tell you what? You have no idea. Antifa is a dangerous radical. All right, radical gentlemen, group. we're now moving on to the Trump and, and Biden records. They'll overthrow you. When a president. I'm going to ask a question. When the president seeks a second term. After being roundly criticized, even trying to send his surrogates out and White House staffers and campaign staffers to say, oh, no, he did condemn white terrorists. <laughs> he said this today. I don't know who the Proud Boys are. I mean, you'll have to give me a definition because I really don't know who they are. I can only say they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. Law enforcement will do the work more and more. As people see how bad this radical liberal Democrat movement is and how weak the law enforcement's going to come back stronger and stronger. But again, I don't know who Proud Boys are, but whoever they are, they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. Just stand by. Look, law enforcement will do their work. They're going to stand down. They have to stand down. Everybody, they have to stand. Whatever group you're talking about, let law enforcement do the work. Now, Antifa is a real problem. Because the problem is on the left, and Biden refuses to talk about it. He refuses to issue the words law and order. You saw that last night when he choked up. He can't say the words because he'll lose the rest of the left. So uh, he's got to condemn Antifa. Antifa is a very bad group. Mr. Yeah. I want law and order to be a very important part. It's a very important part of my campaign. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is law enforcement has the police have to take care and they should stop defunding the police like they've done in New York, like they've done in New York. I just told you, I've always denounced any form, any form, any form of any of that you have to denounce. But I also 
Joe Biden has to say something about Antifa. It's not a philosophy. These are people that hit people over the head with baseball bats. He's got to come out and he's got to be strong and he's got to condemn Antifa. And it's very important that he does it. I want to see profiles not encourage Georgia Senator Kelly Loeffler. He has been very clear that there is no place for racism in this country. So, you know, I think we just have to look at his words and his actions uh, and, and to understand that he has done more to lift up African-Americans than any president in recent history. You want to see a weak-ass black man? Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. Do you find that concerning the president's refusal last night during the debate? I think he misspoke in response to Chris Wallace's uh, comment. He was asking Chris what he wanted to say. Uh, I think he misspoke. I think he should correct it. If he doesn't correct it, I guess he didn't misspeak. I was on social media, and he had some black MAGA lovers saying, oh, no, the Proud Boys, they're not racist. They're not white supremacists. Watch this. I started this gang called the Proud Boys. And, the uh, Proud Boys? The Proud Boys. What is the, what's Proud Boys about? We will kill you. That's the Proud Boys in a nutshell. We will kill you. We look nice. We seem soft. We have boys in our name. But like Bill the Butcher and the Bowery Boys, we will assassinate you. Now, part of the reason I agree to do the talk is because I'm allowed to bring all my guys. And we can fight our way in and fight our way out. Eating the shit out of these people. I think it's our job to do it. And the cops just turn a blind eye. If you're wearing a MAGA hat, as Sal is right now, Sal's in the studio, folks. Oh my God, it's Sal Cipolla. Where are you from? Out here. Wow, you came, came a long way. If you're wearing a MAGA hat, and some guy with a slightly punk demeanor comes up to you and says, hey, are you Sal or are you pro-Trump? Choke him. Trust your instincts. Don't listen to what he has to say. Choke him. If I do a video where I say, how about we start throwing bricks? Is that legal? I, you can't call for violence on a specific person, but can you say they're throwing bricks? We should throw bricks. Can you call for violence generally? Because I am. Fighting solves everything. We need more violence from the Trump people. Trump supporters, choke a motherfucker. Choke a bitch. Choke a tranny. Get your fingers around the windpipe. I want violence. I want punching in the face. I'm disappointed in Trump supporters for not punching enough. Get a fucking gun. Get ready to blow someone's fucking head off. Uh, I've even killed people in my dreams. That's how awesome my gun is. Get in trouble, get arrested, get fired. Let's all get in this together. They can't kill us all. Dude, I got green tips, man. Those will go through at least three bodies. Oh, beautiful. Plop. <laughs> I love the way he falls on his ass. They said, you want to go? I said, yeah, I want to fucking go. And I punched him in the face. And then Coulter emailed me later and she goes, conservatives never punched anyone in the face. Finally, yeah. things are turning around. And then Mouseberg goes, you're not advocating violence, are you? And I go, I absolutely am. It's a wonderful, effective thing. This is a fucking war. The Joe, the Joe Biden campaign did not wait to drop this ad. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups yeah. and to say that they need to stand down and not 
add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you, what are you, you, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. You want to call him? What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white right like supremacists. White supremacists and right supremacists. Stand back and stand by. Let's go right to our panel. A. Scott Bolden, former chair, National Bar Association Political Action Committee. Robert Patillo, he's executive director for the Rainbow Push Coalition Peach Tree Street Project. Lawn Victoria Burke writes uh, for NNPA. Uh, Monique Presley, legal analyst, political commentator. Uh, I want to start with you, uh, Lauren. Absolute disgusting what we saw last night from Donald Trump. Uh, the Presidential Debate Commission, they've already announced changes at the next moderate. The moderators now will be able to cut the microphone of anyone who goes over there a lot of time and interrupting someone else. Last night was all about Donald Trump wanting to unleash chaos. Right. And so I guess there's going to be a lot of cutting of the microphone. Obviously, what we saw last night was a lot of fear and insecurity coming from Donald Trump, who I think at this point knows he's going to lose. I really think that to a large extent, we need to really think hard about what happens from November 4 to uh, January 20. Uh, you know, that was a desperate performance from somebody who knows that they're about to lose an election and, and be rolled out of office. Uh, Donald Trump, as we all know, barely got into office. He lost the popular vote. He's well aware of that. When you see him make these desperate calls to his supporters to show up at the polls, uh, this obvious, uh, obviously embarrassing, though not surprising, you know, oh, I misspoke on white supremacy, just like he misspoke in 2016, uh, you know, uh, not being able to disavow David Duke. At this point in this, it's pretty obvious that people like Tim Scott, uh, some of these other Republicans who, at this point, this is willfully ignoring a white supremacist in the White House and willfully being on the wrong side of that, one would think, easy to be on issue. I mean, the fact that Tim Scott today can't disavow what the president did last night is just unbelievable and incredible. You, you, either, you either agree with the president or you just don't understand how stupid you look at this point, defending somebody that is an out-and-out racist in front of the entire nation and you don't get that you don't you don't pick up on the fact that the train is leaving the station first of all it should have been picked up on years ago none of what happened last night was new none of what happened last night was surprising but for people to come right. out today after watching that last night and still be defending this president i've sort of okay. moved on to the point okay. where i feel like i'm beyond donald trump because to some extent, I've been watching Donald Trump, unfortunately, my entire life, because I grew up in New York. So I was gotcha. used to seeing Donald Trump in the background all the time. But now I'm, I'm to the point of asking, what are these people doing in the Republican Party supporting this person at this point? What, hey, what look, can you look, say? Look, Rob, 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 this is real simple. This is real simple, Robert. Power. This is power. 
Yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely correct. But Donald Trump played that debate like a fiddle last night. Uh, he was able to bait the host. He was able to bait Joe Biden. He was able to obfuscate. He was able to filibuster to the point that we aren't talking about the fact that we have a president who was impeached earlier this year, and we did not mention it during the debate. We find out that this president is a half billion dollars in debt to unknown individuals around the world. We barely talked about it at the debate. Uh, the fact that he has not paid taxes in a decade, and paid when he did pay taxes, paid about $700. That did not get the proper uh, vetting during the debate. President Trump knew he could not win on the facts. He cannot um, win a uh, balls and strikes game, so he decided to do guerrilla warfare. Don't let your opponent get, uh, uh, get a straight answer in. Don't let the moderator ask a question. Make sure that you play the clock. Run out the clock until you get to the next topic. Then you slide in uh, your your culture war stuff. You slide in your conspiracy theories. You're talking about Hunter Biden. You're talking about um, random internet conspiracies. You're uh, you're seeding the media beforehand by saying Joe Biden is on a performance enhancing drugs and he had plastic surgery. But he has an earpiece in uh, to feed him answers. And there's a teleprompter there that's going to uh, allow him to read I gotcha. all the answers. President Trump figured out how to play the media years ago, and he is still playing them. And that's why we're not talking about any substantive issues from last night. That's why we're still caught on all the distractions. No, we are talking about substantive we issues are. because the reality, yeah. Monique, uh, we, his is his statements regarding not wanting to condemn white supremacists. Also, why him last night, Joe Biden, when we talked about Antifa, Trump was oh he got condemned Antifa. Biden last night, Monique, quoted the FBI director, Christopher Wray, who said Antifa is not an organization, it's an ideology. And then Trump's like, I disagree with that. The reality is this here. Biden, I thought the strongest moments when he finally said, the hell with Chris Wallace, the hell with Donald Trump, I'm going to look directly at the camera and talk to the American people. I do mm -hmm. believe last night we had substance, and the substance is you've got a crazy, deranged crank who was even more crazy than we used to, and you saw calm, focused, clear Biden compared to Trump. That contrast has shown mm -hmm. up in various polls on who won last night and how this is going to solidify, I believe, this race for Joe Biden. Monique. I believe that that is true, that you did see a leader and you did see other than leader. I don't know, though obviously there was a winner for last night, whether that tilted the few, like two, three, five undecided voters in the United States of America right now or not. Uh, I agree with what uh, the last panelist said, that this was a calculated approach by Team Trump because they did prep, though they lied and said they barely prepped. He said his prep is being president. No, he had sessions. And what they figured out is that there's no way that he could win uh, because he doesn't have enough on substance. He doesn't have a record that would prop him up. He doesn't have anything convincing to say about the pandemic or the economy or jobs. He's lost on all of those issues, and he doesn't have a command of the information. So instead, disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. And that is a very old debating 
tactic, which I'm sure Scott's on the panel, he would agree with me. If you can't do anything else, just throw the whole thing over and run down the clock. And that's what his team obviously did. They just let him go. Obviously, you could see he wasn't sedated. He wasn't on any of the meds he's normally on. He was out there being his rambunctious self. He stuck to every one of his talking points, not the points that the team gave him, not the points that are in the briefing books, but the talking points that are in his head. He was very consistent about those. I mean, he brought up all of his oldies and he had some new goodies and he did what Trump does. Now, obviously, but, that's but not what we want in a but, president. I couldn't hear you, Roland. But here's Go ahead. the deal. I got I, I, I got to pull Scott in here because Scott, here's the deal. You heard, you saw all that take place. But the bottom line is this: here, it's not a question of the undecideds. It's also how do you drive your side out? The Biden-Harris team raised $3.8 million between the 10 p.m. and the 11 p.m. hour last night. That is about intensity. This race is going to come down to which side is more intense when it comes to the polls. And I think last night, it further pissed off Biden supporters. Yeah, I think so also. Um, and Robert, I think him being disruptive was just outrageous, if you will. And I think the plan worked against him. We cannot forget that. Uh, but I tell you, folks, last night I saw desperation and I saw a man that was unhinged in the middle of a political campaign that he's losing. And I kept thinking to myself, we got to get ready for November 3rd and afterwards, because this is a foreshadowing of what we're going to see. He didn't just not denounce the Proud Boys or white supremacists. He, he, he dissected it. He never denounced them. What he said was, stand back, stand down, as if he was their commander-in-chief. Listen to me, Roland. And then that stand by and stand down was, was almost, well, let the police handle the violence, but that has nothing to do with their white supremacist philosophy. And he's going to come back to them after November 3rd when he loses, whether it's by a wide margin or not, and he is going to activate his supporters, uh, the Ku Klux Klan, the Proud Boys, whatever you call them. And by the way, why do you need a name to denounce white supremacy? Are there some th that you would not denounce, but others you would denounce? Well, it's, That makes it's, absolutely no well, sense. And here's the deal. You did have substance last night because you did hear uh, Joe Biden from hit Biden, him on the issue of coronavirus. From, from Once I, I, know, I understand that. I understand that. But uh, now I understand that. My point is this here. You did have Biden talk about coronavirus. You did him talk about uh, the economy. You did him talk about those issues there. And again, I think what you're now dealing with, sure, you got Mr. Chaos and want to throw it out there. I believe the tactics, even Joe Biden, exasperated, shaking his mm -hmm. head, uh, sitting here, will flash a smile. But when he finally said, man, just shut up. And so right. he, it, was, it, was, it was clear. It was clear what he was doing. But this, again, Lauren, I, this, this election comes down to intensity. And that is this here. If by seeing this, and if it happens in the second debate and the third debate, it reinforces we are so sick of this dude. We have got right. to go vote. I think that, yeah. Lauren, is how the debate psychologically impacts the voting electorate. Roland, I think that your point is really well taken. But the problem I'm having is that I felt like watching Biden, I still have this sense of the Democrats bringing a, a knife to the gunfight, okay? You got to come out uh -huh. with a little bit more energy than what I saw from Joe Biden last night. 
And I think it was uh, Robert's point, uh, you know, interruption is a strategy. Name-calling is a strategy. Narrative change is a strategy. Breaking another person's train of thought is a strategy. Lying is a strategy. Trump employed all of that last night on Biden, quite frankly, pretty well, because right. Biden, for some reason, got into it where he was he was stopped talking. He wouldn't, frankly, I think Joe Biden was great, just like you just said, Roland, when he punched him in the mouth. I, I, I did not like the looking, the staring at, at the moderator. I think that Biden should have stared right at Trump and said what he was saying. I think that has a lot of power on One second, one second. Yeah. But Monique, no. Monique, I, I thought about last night as I watched that, and then I lo saw the analysis, I saw people. Here's the deal. I think Monique, there were a lot of people who wanted Joe Biden uh, to go toe-to-toe, -to, -toe, to want him to fight. No. And you know what I thought about? Mm -mm. I thought about a conversation no. you and I had when you went on Tucker Carlson. And when yep. I said, he's going to expect you to come in hot. Yep. And I mm -hmm. said, Monique, yep. don't come in hot. You lower it. Keep an yep. even tone voice. And then at a certain point, start laughing at him. That's what yep. Biden did. And it allowed for people right. to say, right. who's the crazy dude? That's the calm one. That's the one yeah. who's keeping it together. That's the one who's not rude and disrespectful. That's the deal. Biden can't fall into, you, you, you can't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with crazy because crazy has no limit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mm -hmm. you obviously were right when you gave me that advice. And when I was on um, uh, last night on IG Live, I was just kind of giving some analysis. And I hearkened back kind of to my old days at Howard Law School when I was on trial team and training. And what we were told or, or erasers were thrown at us was you're speaking to the judge and you're mm -hmm. speaking to the jury, you're not speaking to your opposing counsel because you are not debating them. You are bringing a mm -hmm. message forward. So Biden was sticking to very good debate prep when he was looking dead at the audience and when he was addressing his comments to the moderator. He did the couple of times, will you shut up, man? That was great. Those were times, those were fine. But the other important thing that I want the people who are listening to understand is what our president of the United States displayed last night, there is no black man or woman in America who could get away with that in a court of law. There is no white woman at the head of leadership in America who could get away with that. You doubt me? Think 2016, when Hillary Clinton probably wanted to say, will you shut up, man, and some more stuff. But she knew she was diving through sexism and misogyny landmines right. that were the size of giants. So if any black man had tried to do half of that and lose decorum like that, lose respect, he would have gotten stepped back. He'd be in an orange jumpsuit in 30 seconds. There's no orange jumpsuit for right. Trump yet, and that's why he's but, fighting mm -hmm. the way he's fighting, because he knows yeah, but, but, if he doesn't win, but, he's going to right. jail. But Scott, but Scott, but, here's the but, deal, though. Again, what I need people to understand, I, again, when you examine this whole deal here, I, Biden was by no far perfect. Let me be real clear, okay? But th there were clear moments where Biden did focus on the policy, and one area where Trump could not wriggle out it was health care, which is the number one issue among voters. And when Trump could not even state, I got a health care plan, he's tried the whole I'm swinging and throwing. Dude, you still have no plan.
That's right. That's right. And so another tactic we use in the courtroom when we have a recalcitrant witness is your cross-examination. You have short, tight questions. You demand short, tight answers. And if the witness doesn't have any, you just continue to pepper them. And on health care, on his COVID response, too, you may be talking about both. Uh, uh, Biden was really tight and sharp on it. He said what he had to say. He spoke the truth. And all that Trump could murmur or mumble through were, were I'm, I'm not trying to get rid of Obamacare. Uh, we did more than any other country. You did more than any other country to bring in 20 percent of all the cases, if you will, and 200,000 people are dead and counting. And so he was really good and effective there. But remember, whether he looked at the camera or looked at uh, away, Biden's questions and statements were tight and right on health care and COVID. You're right. It was the most effective part. Uh, for Biden, and that's why it was most effective against um, against Trump and him being a complete ass. I got to tell you, right. I, I don't see Rob, any upside. Well, of course, here's the deal, Robert. Next debate, obviously, you got the rule changes. But if I'm Biden and I go back and watch that tape, after mm -hmm. the moderator asks a question, stop looking at the moderator, the hell with him, and do what he did. When he leaned in and went right mm -hmm. to the camera... I'm watching this and I'm saying, what he's saying is, damn, all of this other nonsense, I'm talking right. to you. That, yes. that, Robert, has to be duplicated and replicated over and over and over again in the next two debates. Go ahead. I, I, I agree with you, and I think that was probably the uh, the part that Trump probably did the best at, which was being that disruptive force, that uh, he was able to <clears throat> able to interject. He was able to throw Biden off of his talking points. Whenever Biden is jumping down into the mud of the trailer park with Donald Trump, Donald Trump is winning. That is his territory. He's a reality TV star. He might as well, it might as well have been the Housewives reunion with Andy Cohen moderating instead of Chris Wallace. So when Biden would slip and say, you're racist, when Biden would slip and say, you're the worst president ever, when Biden would slip and say, Shut up, man. You're, you're now falling down and dropping down into that trailer park with Donald Trump, and that's where he thrives at. So I think it has to be, now that you've seen it once, it's almost like that Houston Rockets small ball offense. The first time a team saw it, they didn't know what to do when you had a six foot five dude shooting threes at center. But then when it got to the playoffs, um, you had a couple games to prepare for it, you're able to shut it down, and that's what the Rockets go home every year. So I think it's important for Joe Biden to take, now that he's seen it, he's seen it one time. Now, Robert, to get your ass up my Rockets now. <laughs> It, it was appropriate. I mean, ain't, ain't like your Hawks have done any damn thing, but go ahead. <laughs> or the Falcons, the, for that The whole matter. point is we'll learning it. how to adapt and adjust on the fly. Don't think this is not a debate from the 1970s going by the Roberts rule of or, Rules of Order. Maybe he needs to binge watch E and a couple reality shows for maybe a week or two to get back into it, but he's going to have to come out stronger. Otherwise, Trump will dominate the news cycle instead of the actual winner of the debate. None of those tactics. But you know what, though? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So it was here's the deal, though. Point. Here's the deal, though. But no, but here's the deal, though. All sorts of talk about dominating the news cycle. Here's what he's dominating: white supremacists, white supremacists, proud exactly. boys, and the exactly. and, and the proud boys and the proud boys are actually making it worse for him because you know what? They're embracing <laughs> it, and so he now has to deal with that. And his goal was to appeal to suburban white women. Um, trying That's to be gone. buddy buddy with the Proud Boys ain't, uh, is not, hold up, hold up. La I'm going to go Lauren and Monique first. Lauren, it ain't the smartest strategy thinking you're going to appeal to them suburban white women who he's losing in droves by pumping up the Proud Boys.
Yeah, that was an unforced error, obviously, from him running his mouth and being stupid and racist, but that's who he is. And he <laughs> right. So that's what happened. I mean, I, I do think, though, that Biden has to figure out a way not to go down the rabbit hole when he gets interrupted. Of You know, what, what Trump right. does when he interrupts uh, is that he changes the narrative, he changes the course of the discussion, and Biden follows him. And I'm like, what are you following for? Like, talk about what you want to talk about, just like Trump talks about. Absolutely right. You're right. So that's a... You're right. No, you're you're 100% right. And Monique, the the strategy, this is the strategy. You stand there, and when he starts yapping, this is what Biden does. Are you done? Are you going to still be so arrogant, interrupt? See, here's my deal. You don't look at him. And you go, mm-hmm. I'm going to finish my point when you stop being a blabbermouth. You, whatever you like, but you never, because here's the deal. You are, when you look at him, he's now got your eyes locked. That's why Trump kept looking at him. What you do mm-hmm. is you give his ass a wall. You, see, you let him, you don't even look that way. You don't even look down. Let me know when you're done sitting here blabbering and not answering a question. Still not answering a question. And, and then, and here's the deal. Or what you do, Monique? He can't, you keep talking. You, I know it's it's I know it's disruptive, right, but you right. don't even accept the bite. You just, you keep talking, and then and then the moderator says the two of you can't talk. We'll tell him to shut up. You keep going. Right. I think mm-hmm. that. Um, we're kind of dealing in extremes and what Vice President Biden gave us last night and needs to continue giving us is a balance in the fight. Because yes, you need to stay on point. You need to be looking to your real target audience, which is the American people. Uh, But also every now and then you got to punch them in the face. Uh, because you're dealing with a madman who's on the stage next to you. And so I think that has to happen, too. That's not what you constantly do. You don't punch, punch, punch. But I believe that he has to continue to do both. Because you know why? Vice President Biden, when he was up there, he was saying things that millions of Americans have wanted for four years to say mm-hmm. to this president. Right. And Such it as, was will the you first shut up? opportunity. <laughs> yeah. right. Yes. Right. And exactly. so I'm saying exactly. those are not errors, unforced or otherwise. Biden was being Biden. And I'm like, Uncle Joe, I know you're mm-hmm. you're listening to your debate prep, and I appreciate that. But every now and then, he needs to let one rip and cut that fool down to size because that gained him people who were like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not mm-hmm. just Trump who calls us spade a spade and a thing a thing and a fool a fool we're about to get a new president who is gonna say hey man shut right. up you're talking crazy you don't pay taxes you're a criminal go somewhere hold on hold on wait 20 seconds robert 20 seconds scott go Two points. One, on Trump is appealing to white supremacists, you're operating under the assumption that the majority of America is not compelled by a message of white supremacy. America is built on white supremacy. The founding documents of this nation are white supremacy. The soil itself is based upon white supremacy. So when Donald Trump makes an appeal to it, don't be surprised when that goes over well. And uh, secondarily, we've seen what happened in 2016 when Marco Rubio tried to jump down to a trailer park mud pit with Donald Trump. He lost. When Jeb, uh, Jeb Bush went to a trailer park, he lost. 
Um, uh, Ted Cruz went to the trailer park. He lost. Donald Trump is the trailer park champion, so you cannot beat him at his own Got game. It. You have to beat him on policy. Yeah, but I don't think Biden's Got it, Scott, trying to go. do that. I, I don't think he was trying to do that last night. He was exasperated like the rest of the audience when he said, man, just shut up. When he said you were the worst <laughs> president. Every time he insulted Trump, it was in response. It was a it was a counterpunch, if you will. And those counterpunches hit home because it's what the audience was thinking and the voters have been thinking for the last four years. You were the worst president. You're lying. Uh, you caused COVID. All of those counter were counterpunches. And I think he played it just right. He didn't get down in the garbage stall. And if there is a second debate or if he participates, because we haven't talked about that, regardless of the rule change, uh, I don't think he's going to get down in the garbage land with him ever. All right, Dan, Monique Presley, we certainly appreciate you joining us uh, for our Thank discussion you. of last night's debate. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, let's go to Reverend John Yearwood with the Hip Hop Political Caucus. Of course, they launched their Respect My Vote campaign in 2008. Uh, Reverend Yearwood, uh, of course, uh, it's all about reaching young voters as well. That's one of the critical issues uh, facing the Biden campaign. When you look at the people who are registering right now, uh, the numbers clearly are in favor of him over Donald Trump. Uh, but what actually uh, specifically are y'all plans to drive black voter turnout? Uh, because, again, that's when, when it comes to African-Americans, 18 to 29, they have the lowest uh, participation when it comes to voting. We, we are. We, we are right now at Respect My Vote. We are engaging. And thank you, Roland, for having us at this time. You know, I wouldn't stop what I'm doing to talk to anybody but you because we are working, not just talking. And so right now, we're engaged in five states. We're engaged in Florida. We're engaged in Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, and Michigan. We're engaged around the country nationally, but those are where we're centered in. We are right now building a universe of 180,000 uh, young people, particularly young people of color, uh, millennials, and Gen Z. And our goal is to reach them at least 30,000 in each, each one of those states, touch them twice through texting and email, and having uh, virtual um, uh, voter rallies that we're actually starting this week. We're going to have one in, in each state before voter registration and then one in each state after voter registration. And um, our good friends from voter um, uh, election protection will be with us. Uh, obviously, we're promoting the 1866 number, and we will have one of them with us in each one of those calls. And so as we are engaging them and touching people using our influencers and celebrities. So we'll touch between five to seven million people um, within those five states uh, over the election process through our digital ads and through our influencers. But when you engage them, are you talking about politics? Connecting the dots where people understand that Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, right wing, largely white male federal judges will be going against the very things that young black folks say they want. So when people say, well, I'm not going to vote, well, then what you're actually doing is hurting yourself on the issues you care about. Well, you'll be happy to hear this, Roland. Because you had access to the Hip Caucus a little while ago, we actually created a C4. Um, because of the need to uh, shape policy, because either we shape policy or policy will shape us. So you can take a little bit of credit in that. We still operate through a C3, which is pretty much getting out the vote um, and doing the things for voter protection. But we are beginning to engage them on policies that we've seen issues from defunding the police, issues from racial injustice, and issues regarding climate justice as well. And so a lot of those, particularly the millennials and Gen Z, that is the top issue. We, we, we've been having uh, a lot of these conversations, and 
again, anybody's welcome to go to respectmyvote.com and, and see the country that we're having at doing our virtual conferences, but we are definitely in the works, and we're getting close to that goal of having almost close to 200,000 young people in those key five states ready to move to action. Um, what uh, last point here? Uh, we have, of course, um, what, 33 days left. You already see folks voting. You got registration. Uh, and so are you also breaking it up? And because, first of all, it's your first deadlines, registration deadlines are coming up. A lot of people keep talking about vote, vote, vote. But first of all, we got to make sure people are registered before they vote. Yeah. And that university that we're building, at, that 180,000 plus university we're building in those five key states, we're definitely making sure that, yes, they're not only registering to vote, but they're actually pledging to vote which is also an important part of the process just to get the, the mental aspects of what it means to vote and then creating a plan. And then as, as, we, as we're seeing, it's clear that there's a lot of things being done to suppress the vote. And, and a lot of the folks in our base, the Hip Hop Caucus, are part of the movement for Black Lives. So, you know, we're, we're even having the conversations around nonviolent trainings and just a whole new way of approaching uh, voting in this country because we want to make sure people who actually vote and don't get killed, people not being shot. Um, nothing is happening to them. So we're, and we're having, our people are not only in the suites, but in the streets. So we really want to make sure they're safe, to be honest. So, you know, we're having that conversation with them. Um, and we have a lot of folks who are new to the process. Um, but there's a lot of energy. I'll tell you this. There's a lot of energy. Um, people are watching the debates. We saw that last night. Um, a lot of people are watching the debates. Young people, we have 18 and 19 and 20 are engaging. And so there's a lot of hope. To the do we are, and we will say this wrong. We are, we are concerned. Many of us in the hip hop are concerned about post the election, and we're, we're, we're beginning to put together strategies around that process as well. But folks want to get involved. Please, please, please go to respectmyvote.com. We're engaging those who are returning citizens. Dr. Yusuf Salam from the Generator Five is a part of that process, and we're getting folks who are coming back from um, who are formerly incarcerated to be engaged as well. So please, you want to be involved with young folks in the voting process? We're doing it at respectmyvote.com. Reverend Lennox Yearwood, Jr., president and founder of the Hip Hop Caucus. We surely appreciate it, sir. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Take care. Be safe. All right, then. Uh, this is going to be, uh, you look at what's happening. First of all, go ahead and pull the graphic up, folks. Uh, how many days we have left? Uh, again, we are approaching uh, a, a critical point where uh, in this election, in terms of uh, mm. how many days are left, we're coming down to it. Vote.org is where we need you to go. There are 33 days until Election Day. People are already voting. More than a million ballots have already been cast all across the country. Uh, we want to make sure that you have not been purged. So go to iwillvote.com or vote.org to double check. Make sure you have not been purged. Two, for you to register. Three, for you to get your mail-in ballot. If you choose to vote in person, we encourage you to do that as well. Have a plan in doing so. We see what is happening with this election, how things are moving in, in Georgia. Quinnipiac, uh, Robert, has dropped their poll all of a sudden. And according to their poll, uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock now is leading in that particular race with 31% of the vote. Senator Kelly Loeffler at 23%, Republican Doug Collins at 22%. Democrat Matt Lieberman, who refuses to drop out, is at 9%. Democrat Ed Tarver, an African-American, is at 4%. Uh, of course, it's the first major poll that shows Warnock with a, clear, with a clear lead over Republicans, Leffler and Collins. Uh, last week, Democrats, including Stacey Abrams, as well as Eric Holder and others, pushed
Bush, Lieberman, as well as Tarver to drop out. Robert, what the hell are these guys doing? They're polling 13% together. If Democrats don't get one of the top two spots of with Kelly Loeffler, and if it's Loeffler and Collins, they go to the runoff to replace, of course, uh, Johnny Isaacson uh, as United States Senator. And Lieberman, the son of, uh, uh, of Joseph Lieberman, I mean, look, is so arrogant, he won't drop out. Dude, you're not going to be in the top two. You're not in the top three. Why aren't they? I think, I think it's also like four other, I think it's four black women running. It's a whole bunch of people. It's mm -hmm. like, what are they doing still in the race? Roland, don't try to understand Georgia politics. Nobody understands Georgia politics. And uh, and also, we can't think there's simply going to be a linear decision that if these other Democrats drop out of the race, they support immediately goes to uh, uh, Pastor Warnock. Pastor Warnock has my support. Uh, he's going to be speaking at the Rainbow Push Conference uh, in Atlanta, creating opportunity conference next week that people can re register for at uh, rainbowpushatlanta.org. But what's important is for him to continue to travel the state, build that bipartisan coalition, Dig down into those deep Christian roots that exist here. Uh, get into the social justice uh, community. Get into the communities that get out and vote. Continue a strong ground game and not worry about the other people in the race. What we see is Loeffler and Collins destroying each other to, to uh, basically argue who can be the more pro crazy pro-Trump person, not understanding mm -hmm. that Trump is polling uh, very low in Georgia compared to where he was in the last election. So Warnock has a chance to win this. He just has to continue running the race he's running. But look, I totally understand all of that, Lauren, but the reality is this here. I don't think for a second that if you're supporting Matt Lieberman, you're going to all of a sudden go over to Kelly Loeffler and uh, Collins or if you're supporting Ed Tarver. Well, this is one of those deals where if you know you don't have a shot, what you focus on is how can your party actually win. If Warnock is able to get one of those top two positions, he advances to the runoff, and they stand a better chance of picking up that seat and Democrats only need to pick up four seats, really three seats. And, of course, if Biden-Harris wins, she can break a tie. But if they pick up four seats, they not control the United States Senate. You got to think bigger than your own ego. Well, yeah. But if you remember uh, <laughs> Stacey Abrams, there was somebody that they ran, another Stacey, to, to basically not... So, so that Stacey Abrams could not All be right. the, the nominee. I mean, frankly, anytime you have a black candidate running statewide, you are going to see a bunch of people try to think that they can do better than that person. So I'll be really surprised if Lieberman drops out, because he'll get it into his mind somehow, even though there's no evidence for it in the polling, that, oh, I, I'm the one, I'm, I'm the chosen one, even though, obviously, demographically, Warnock would be a better and stronger candidate uh, for Team Blue. The other thing, and, and, and Robert mentioned this already, Georgia is in play <laughs> on the presidential mm -hmm. level, and Georgia should not be in play. This is another reason why we saw the desperate Donald Trump last night, because there are states in play on the map, on the electoral map that shouldn't be, and Georgia's one of them. That would tell you that, that Warnock, if you can get the excitement out, obviously, for almost a third, uh, you know, of the state, uh, of the voters in, in Georgia, you could see a real great result there, obviously. I, I think that discussion is, is bigger you know, somebody like, a, you know, Chuck Schumer or somebody should be talking to Lieber, Lieberman and tell him to get out. But I guarantee had, you that he will take look, over and stay in. 
Lauren, Lauren, let me understand, and Scott, speak to this, this is the reality. Jewish groups in Georgia have been saying, Lieberman, sit your ass down, and he won't listen. He <laughs> won't listen to it. So, like, he, his whole deal is, I'm staying in, voters deserve, deserve a choice. But again, what I'm simply pointing to, this is not a race, Scott, where whoever gets the highest vote total wins a seat. It's going to be a runoff, and you want to be in a strong position to pick it up. Uh, your thoughts on this race before I go you, to you, uh, the next you story. You talking logic, okay? Politics and campaigns aren't about logic. Everybody believes that they'll have lightning in a bottle, and somehow they're going to win no matter what you tell them up to Election Day, whether they've got money or not. I think Lauren's right. Georgia's in play. And remember, the, uh, the RNC... They're, they don't have that much money. They're pulling out of some of the red states right now. And so I think they stay in the race no matter what. They should get out. Your theory is right. Uh, but then uh, the reverend has got to bear down, and he's just got to go win it. And sometimes that's what you're left with. And uh, I think he can get that top two. Uh, those top two seats. Well, he's got to work hard for it, take nothing for granted, and have well, a ground game. Well, he's it. Well, he's actually doing that, and so we'll certainly see what happens yeah. in Georgia. Folks, today that was a uh, news conference of an organization that is going to be holding Facebook accountable. They're not even waiting on Facebook uh, to, to do their so-called uh, checks. We know voter suppression has been real, how African-Americans have been targeted. We saw even last night how the lies were spreading across Facebook, and Facebook refuses to take anything down. Joining us right now is Shereen Mitchell. She, of course, uh, is a uh, digital uh, analyst, uh, social media analyst, and diversity strategist. Uh, tell us about this independent oversight board, Shereen, that's going to be targeting Facebook. How is it going to work? How are they going to impact this election, the next 33 days moving forward, and then after that? So I'm fortunate to be a part of this board, and actually it's a board of experts from academics to media and to other uh, activists as well. You have people like Rashad on there from, from Color the Change. You have Derek from NAACP. Uh, you have ADL. You have other groups that are also uh, active in this. And so what we're trying to do basically is say, we don't have time to wait for Facebook to catch up. We don't have time for other uh, for the government to catch up. We're going to take actions, and we're going to expect people to see what happens. We're going to do it on a weekly basis, and we're going to come up with some key things we're making demands about Facebook. And so the top three demands that we're making right now is, they have to they have to use their own terms of service to stop the incitement of violence, even if that incitement of violence is coming from the president of the United States. We saw what happened last night. We saw that incitement, that type of incitement that will, will that did show up on, on Facebook and other places needs to be shut down the minute that it happens. And we're we're demanding not only that from 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 places like Facebook and the platforms alike, but also from the media to also not share anything that would make it possible for more additional incitement to violence. The second thing we're making a demand about that has to do with the elections, that if there is no um, no conceding, no, no, um, no person who's conceded and no clear winner, that they are to mark everything um, that, that goes out with political ads or, or like stop them all and keep them from going out until we have a, a clear winner and until we know that someone has actually conceded. And that anything anything that goes out marked any other way before this moment should be marked as if they are untrue, uh, disinformation, and the like. And this is important because it's not just about what we're seeing going out, but all the targeting of digital suppression around the vote, as we've seen last night, around polling places and, and people showing up to threaten 
those who are showing up to um, to vote, uh, and, and also the ways in which we're looking at the, um, the absentee ballots being used and being weaponized in a way to tell people that they don't have the right to vote or keeping them from from exercising that right to vote, um, especially. So our project, of course, is part of that because we're trying to stop digital pro digital vote suppression across the board. We also know after these last reports that came out how the campaign itself last year, I mean, in, sorry, last campaign, 2016, targeted uh, African-Americans the same way that Russia targeted African-Americans and the vote with, with, with precision. They, it was major focus on black identity major focus on black voters, and we're still seeing that today, which is why we have our project and we're part of this one, so that we can make sure that we get we get this further understood and others to, to sign on and partner with us, but also understand the impact that we can, we, we're trying to have before this election. Uh, you said you're going to be doing stuff weekly. What does that actually mean? Are you issuing a report? Uh, exactly. What are, what are you releasing uh, and what are you demanding of Facebook? So, so we've already made the demand. So if you go to the website about the, the the real oversight board, those demands are there. Each week we'll be releasing updates on the work that we're doing around that. So we're going to make sure that that happens. We, our organization, will also be putting out reports around the disinformation, the closer and closer we get to the to uh, to the uh, elections. So, so that we have our community aware of what we're doing, we make uh, make sure our partners know what's happening. But the ultimate thing that we're doing with this oversight board is to make sure Facebook is being held accountable for their actions as they interfere in not only the democracy of the United States but also incite violence. All right, Shireen Mitchell, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for staying on the front lines, keeping us focused on digital voter suppression. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. I'll be, I'll be, you know, going, going to the ground every day on this until, until we get to the elections and, and probably beyond. Thank you so much. All right. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Robert, I want to go to you. Uh, we heard Donald Trump last night essentially tell his supporters to basically do voter intimidation, go in the polls, keep an eye on people. Uh, that's mm -hmm. kind of illegal. Uh, and so, uh, and so, we, we, you know, we are going to see. And look, Scott alluded to this earlier. We must be prepared for right-wing thugs doing what they do. Also, keep in keep in mind, this is the first election in a very long time where Republicans are not under a consent decree mm -hmm. regarding voter intimidation at the polls. You're, you're absolutely correct. And Donald Trump did not allude to those things. Donald Trump made it very clear and explicit what he was telling his supporters. One, he said, uh, when asked about diversity training on the federal level, he said it was reverse racism. It's almost like a uh, racism in reverse situation, is what he said. Mm -hmm. When uh, discussing endorsements, he said, I have all of law enforcement behind me. Do you have any law enforcement uh, endorsements? And Joe Biden uh, uh, didn't answer the question. Donald Trump said he's not accepting the results of what's going to happen on November. November the 3rd. Donald Trump told his supporters in, uh, to go to the polls and uh, and walk around and make sure nothing's going on. Uh, he specifically told the Proud Boys and other white supremacist organizations, stand down and stand by. I, uh, he said, I have plenty of time after the election to do what I need to get done. I'm discussing mm. the Supreme Court justice and said that he's going to be sending this election to the Supreme Court. So I don't think that, that any of that is him alluding to anything. Uh, he wasn't keeping it a secret. He wasn't doing a hidden ball trick. 
Um, truth is, Joe Biden is going to need to win this election by 10 to 15 million votes uh, in order for us to have any chance of, of there not being a strong contestation of the election and perhaps violence. And the president did nothing to pour water on that last night because he made it very clear to his supporters he has law enforcement on his side. He ha he's been stacking the courts. He's going to have 300 judges on the bench. He's going to have six judges on the Supreme Court on his side. Uh, that he believes that his blue state uh, people, as he said, need to be doing something to stop the Antifas and to stop the radical left. I think the radical left is everybody who's not a MAGA voter. So he made it very clear what he's expecting. I think we have 30 days to prepare for that and find out what we're going to do. But, but Roland, uh, this is why the Senate yeah. is so very important, if I may. Um, because while the presidential election, we know we're going to fight after November 3rd. If we can flip those three or four seats, right, if we can flip Arizona, flip Colorado, flip Maine, we may or may not hold on to Alabama, but let's say we lose Alabama, right? We can, if we can flip Iowa, for example, where, where Dems are playing well in states where Trump won, we certainly have to turn on Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and get those back. I think we will. You'll then have a democratically controlled Senate, maybe even get uh, Kentucky, who knows. You'll have a democratically controlled Senate. You hold your seats on the, on the uh, Democratic side on the House. And even if he fights, once those houses are impaneled, you've got another shot at his bad behavior by either impeaching him or putting tremendous political pressure on the Republicans to remove them themselves or to take that long walk to the White House to tell him that the gig is up. And so I've got hope, but we've got to vote down ballot and we've got to vote in these Senate races. Oh, man. Are you kidding me, Scott? You think that what? the Republicans are going to take some Barry Goldwater walk to the White House with this guy? After what we've if seen? If we control the Senate and the House, that's a possibility. No, I, no, that's I, didn't, not I, didn't, okay. I don't invite your indignation. I raise it as a possibility. Hold up, hold up, hold up. One second. Lauren, talk. Scott, then respond. Go. Exactly. Yeah, so it's more likely that the military would go to the White House and take him out on Jan 20 than it is <laughs> any of these, these Republicans that we've seen over the last four years. I mean, that's just not happening. And, and quite you know frankly, what? I don't, you know, I don't. Well, we're lucky Scott, on the Scott, election. Scott, Scott, Scott. No, no, no. I ain't Chris Wallace. I ain't Chris Wallace. Line <laughs> finish, then Scott. I think we're lucky on the electoral map that the blue states, uh, most of which on the, I, not the blue states, the states that he's likely to win, that Biden is likely to win, uh, mm -hmm. Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, maybe he gets lucky in Georgia. Uh, those will be known by, by somewhere Carolina. around midnight, okay? So uh, we're lucky. We're lucky, because I actually think we're going to find out fairly early that Biden has got it. Obviously, everybody knows he's going to win California. He'll probably win Arizona. But, but so that kind of shuts it down. The other thing we got to count on, too, is the media not being stupid. The media not being stupid and just allowing this president to use them and the bullhorn of the media uh, and that audience of millions for him to just get out there and say any crazy thing that is completely inaccurate. That's the mm -hmm. other thing. The media plays a huge role in this. But the well, other well, thing well, guess what? We did. Well, yeah, well, sorry, sorry. We, sorry, we can't count on that. Scott, go. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I still think that if we, if we, the perception and the pressure, because the Republicans will not, uh, will see the writing on the wall, this is a possibility, not a probability. But if we control the Senate, if we control the House, and, and the president is lost badly to Biden and he wants to fight in some desperate measure, I do think that frees up more Republicans, wherever they are, either on the Senate in lame duck or on the uh, House side, uh, to have a, a realistic conversation with themselves. They don't owe anything to Trump now and perhaps have that conversation with Trump. The Dems should use them, if there are any out there, as their allies in order to avoid a constitutional crisis or taking the whole presidential election to the White House. Everything ought to be on the table. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back, we're going to talk about Breonna Taylor, talk about Eric Garner, next to Roller Mart Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Mart Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. Local politics always seemed to, in my mind, match up with what I was seeing nationally. If you didn't find a way to know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, then you couldn't get anything done. And that's really what to be political is. That's what you're doing. You're building relationships. And, you know, African Americans have had to, you know, face up to the fact that in order to get anything done in this world, we have to work with the system that's there. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron has two days until noon Friday to give the court the actual audio recordings of the grand jury proceedings, which led to one officer facing charges in the death of Breonna Taylor. Uh, now, a juror, a grand jury uh, member, uh, was the one who filed uh, a petition with the court saying it should be released because they were frankly angry after hearing some of the answers of Dan Daniel Cameron. Um, uh, bottom line, Robert, we've never, I can't recall ever seeing a grand juror, which is, which is grand jury is secret, come out and say, essentially, his ass lying. And so y'all need to know what really happened and his ass lying. So release the damn recordings. And so they're giving cameras office two days because they say they got to redact some witnesses uh, names because they said that they said that could affect the federal investigation. Robert. You know, this is the first uh, for me also. This this shooting from the beginning reminded me of Kenneth Walker in Columbus, Georgia, uh, back in 2004. Uh, a, a similar sh shooting incident where the grand jury turned a no bill on the uh, on the indictment despite clear evidence of, of a police murder. And I think that this is an unprecedented step and hopefully sets the, uh, sets the bar for what happens going forward. We ha There has to be transparency. Far too long uh, prosecutors have been able to hide behind the grand jury to do their dirty work for when they don't want to indict a, a police officer. We all know that the uh, the prosecutor can indict anybody that he feels like during the grand jury process. The only time they don't get an indictment is when they don't want to indict somebody. So this is a, a, a very important step for us to watch, and we need to find out whether or not we can trust the prosecutors in this case, and this is even more of a reason that we have to have a Department of Justice that is interested in actual civil rights prosecutions, and that what Jeff Sessions and Bob Barr have been using for over the last four years. 
So um, uh, this guy again is a is a huge uh, is a huge case. Again, Cameron wanted a week. The judge said, "Nope, you got till Friday noon on Friday to turn over those grand jury recordings." Yeah. So what what do we look for when he turns over the recordings? The first thing you look for is you confirm that this was not an investigative grand jury, whereby the grand jury did the investigation with the help of the AG, that the AG did this investigation and then presented what he wanted to present and did not present what he did not want to present because he didn't believe he had a legal basis for it. I think that's going to be the latter. Secondly, what charges did he present? He probably just presented the charges when they brought back an indictment. What you would like for him to present is a number of charges, a number of police officers, and let them come back with a no-true bill. That's really the open and transparent way of doing this, including felony murder. And I keep talking about felony murder on social media and some of the other uh, shows I do, because if there was a felony committed and someone was killed in the commission of that felony, whether the bullet of Hankinson killed Breonna Taylor or not, a felony has still been committed. Now, I'm not as familiar with Kentucky law as I am with D.C., New York, or Illinois, but I will tell you this. It's got to at least be considered. And so you're looking not for what he put in. You're looking for what he did not present to the grand jury, and then you make your case to impanel another one that investigates and either votes a no-true bill or votes a true bill so that it's transparent and the public feels that this was fair analysis and review uh, by the grand jury and the criminal justice got system. Got it. Lauren, the thing here is this here. Now, by the, this grand, grand juror's decision, he's also forced Cameron to, to come out and say he did not even present the possibility of the grand jury uh, pursuing murder charges. That's right. Daniel Cameron That's right. lied when he went before the cameras, mm -hmm. and now he is being forced to be honest with the public yeah. about what he yeah. did as a special prosecutor. Yeah. The whole thing has the look of what exactly he thought it was going to be when he had that stupid-ass press conference. It's going to blow up in his face. And it's going to blow up in his face because everybody's going to hear exactly what happened in there, and it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be the opposite of what it should have been, which is exactly what everybody suspected when he had that press conference. I mean, this is a ridiculous crime. I know we're about to talk about Eric Garner. That, that was another ridiculous crime. This woman is mm -hmm. in her home at, at one in the morning. They've got the wrong warrant. We can't even establish whether or not they did announce, although all the cop friends that I had said, even if somebody did announce, if you break through my door at 1 a.m., I'm reaching for my gun either way. Well, actually, actually, according to the grand jury, here's the deal. According to Cameron, one, one witness said they heard the cops say that, but right. that person said it on their third try. The first two times they didn't say that, 11 other witnesses said we heard nothing. And so it was sort of like they were waiting, trying to get somebody to say what they wanted them to say. Finish your point, please. But they didn't put any of those no, others I'm in the grand jury either. The outrageousness of it, the outrageousness Lauren, of Lauren, finish your point. This outrageousness, the outrageousness of this particular uh, moment in police brutality is, is, is off the cliff. Is off the cliff. It's it's you're in your own home in the middle of the night, and somebody's broke breaking through the door, and of course somebody who has a gun inside is going to reach for it and try to defend themselves. Right. And they right, end wait, up wait, killing. Right. They end up killing the person that he doesn't even have the firearm. That's the other thing yeah. that nobody. Right. Right. 
but 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 here's the deal. But here but here's the deal, Scott. We also by getting the recordings, we also know the ballistics report didn't match. And so the bottom line is this here: yeah. by by this grand juror doing this, it is putting the pressure on Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron to come clean. And he has already been exposed as a liar. And we're about to find out some more stuff. Thirty seconds, Scott. Um, go. So. Um, you, you're absolutely right, because here the AG made choices and decisions on what to put in the grand jury what didn't. Why not put everything in the grand jury and let them decide? And what Lauren is really talking about is a centuries-old, the Castle Doctrine. I have a right to defend my home versus the police having a right to kick it in, whether they announce or not. It's just a tragic right. uh, errors, uh, factual errors here. But what about our castle right doctrine or the rights that Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend had? Those are being completely ignored here as part of this investigation. Right. Robert, uh, in New York, Supreme Court Judge Joan Madden has ordered a public judicial inquiry into the case of Eric Garner. Of course, who died after being put in a chokehold by NYPD uh, officer. This took place six years ago in 2014. She ordered a summary inquiry into the case, including an alleged lack of of immediate medical aid to Garner by officers, alleged lies in a police report, the unauthorized release of Garner's arrest record and the release of autopsy information by New York City's Office of Chief Medical Examiner. She did not indicate who would conduct the inquiry or when it would take place. A hearing has been set for October 6th. Uh, the reason this is important, this is not some departmental review. This is a judicial inquiry, Robert, which means lie to the court, you committed perjury. And it's important to remember, there is no statute of limitations on murder. The more evidence uh, is uncovered at any point in time, that mm -hmm. can uh, necessitate a murder charge, even if it's six years down the line or 20 years down the line. Uh, we see this often in um, in cases from the civil rights era, where you finally bring a Klansman to justice um, 40 or 50 years after the actual murder was committed. It's important. This is also an important step, because often we bemoan um, the uh, the pipeline, the connection between uh, police officers, prosecutors, and then the prosecutor to the bench pipeline, which often puts you as a defense attorney uh, three against one in the courtroom. When uh, judges are going to start being independent voices, or they're going to start independently looking at um, uh, inconsistencies in these cases and reviewing them and bringing these cases to justice, it may be what we need to finally get the ball moving and to get some progress on this issue of police brutality in this country, because we, it's very clear our legislators are not going to do anything. Our executive leadership is not going to do anything. It's very difficult for prosecutors to do anything and not be out of office within uh, one electoral mm -hmm. term. So maybe it's going to be uh, litigation from the bench by progressive judges that actually get this done. And, and, and Lauren, this I is why... This this is Lauren, this is, hold on, hold up, Scott. Scott, hold okay. on. Lauren, this is why judges matter. This is why who we elect matters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, by the way, they should have an investigation into the Ramsey order thing as well. Ramsey order was effectively retaliated against by the New York City Police Department for taking that video of Eric Garner, which nobody, again, nobody ever talks about. Because, you know, New York City Police Department, and unfortunately, I, I know it well, <laughs> they think they can do whatever they want. I mean, they just think they can do whatever they it. want. It was already established that Daniel Panaleo had been sort of stalked by this officer. I mean, I'm sorry, that Eric Garner had been stalked by Daniel Panaleo. And so when he confronted him about the cigarettes, this was like the second or third encounter that they had had. And he ends up choking mm -hmm. him to death. 
on video, and then the New York City Police Department rewards him with a desk job and pays him more money and keeps him mm -hmm. on the job so he can, you know, pad his retirement. I don't know. Right in front of everybody's Scott, face. Scott. And they just think that's yeah. just the yeah. normal order of business. You know, the other and, thing, Roland, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, I think this is part of a, a civil uh, justice inquiry. That is, that as part of the civil lawsuit, before the case is dismissed or before the judge signs off on the settlement, uh, that she's doing this inquiry and looking for transparency. I couldn't find the real source of it, but I think this is a civil proceeding which should be used more and more, as I often say, to get to the bottom of justice, to get information, and to get the information made public and transparent. So this may be a new tool in the civil rights movement or civil rights lawyers for getting to the bottom line and getting more information to the public. All right, then, folks, uh, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us on our panel today. When we come back, our tech segment, and what is a startup group in Silicon Valley doing to ensure more of us are involved in STEM? That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Tech Talk segment sponsored, sponsored by Seek.com. Don't forget, if you want to get any of their headphones or VR headsets, simply go to Seek.com. Use the promo code RMVIP2020. That's RMVIP2020. All right, folks. Uh, Kevin Nichols, he is the founder, president, and CEO of an Oakland-based group uh, that uh, deals with the issue of STEM in uh, in the technology space. Uh, it's a social impact venture with Stanford University called the Social Engineering Project. He joins us right now. Kevin, how you doing? Fantastic. How are you, Roland? Uh, doing good. So this particular project here, who are you targeting? Are you targeting high school students, college students, folks who've already graduated? Uh, who are you tr really trying to reach to broaden uh, the number of our people who are in, this, uh, in the uh, STEM space, but also in Silicon Valley? We start primarily in middle school, but we go all the way up to high school and, and we help some college students as well. But our focus is middle school, getting them interested in traditional STEM at an early age. And, and, and how so? How, what are you doing to get them interested in STEM? So my business partner, Dr. Brian Brown, is a professor at the School of Education at Stanford. And he designed some curriculum to get young kids interested in STEM through a culturally relevant perspective. So we do about 15 science experiments in one week during our week, our summer program called Science in the City. And so they learn culturally relevant uh, math, chemistry, physics, science, and engineering principles throughout that week. Uh, and, uh, and first of all, how long is a person in this program? Is it, um, is it for several months, is it for a year, multiple years? 
It's for a week each summer, but it could go over the course of a number of years. We also have other programs that kind of overlap. I have a program for high school students. I take 120 high school students camping, and I have tech companies come over to the Santa Cruz Mountains and teach them how they do their work at work. How, how has it gone thus far in terms of how many people have come through the program and how many of them have matriculated uh, two jobs uh, in Silicon Valley? So we started about eight years ago. So our first cohort of middle school students haven't quite made it to uh, college, out of college yet. However, we do about 50 students for the summer and about 120 to 150 high school students each year during the fall. Um, currently, a lot of our school our students are in college right now, but they haven't actually made it to the um, getting hired stage yet. We've only been around officially as an organization for four and a half years. Uh, and how many how many folks do you, do you do you, can you what's your capacity for how many students who can come to your program in any given year? Oh, about two hundred and fifty right now. But we are looking to expand that. Uh, this year, we converted our Science in the City Day Camp to a virtual experience. So through our partnership with Nesby, we were able to uh, use students from all over the country to be able to participate. So we're looking at ways to scale our programs virtually and be able to reach more students. Uh, if somebody out there is watching, uh, how can they get more information on your program if they also want to apply? They can visit the socialengineer.org. That's our website. All the information about our programs and the kinds of things that we're doing to uh, increase the diversity in the technology space is there. And they can follow us on our social media handles from there as well. All right, Kevin Nichols, man, we certainly appreciate it. Good luck with the program. And hopefully this is going to inspire a whole new generation of uh, black kids and uh, other kids of color uh, to really go into the STEM field uh, and fill up those critical jobs, those high-paying jobs in Silicon Valley. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, some news on the media front. Essence Magazine has announced that they are actually furloughing all of their staff. Yes, COVID has greatly impacted the bottom line of Essence Communications. Let's go to the statement here. Uh, this is what they announced six months into an unprecedented and continuing global pandemic. COVID-19 has had a broader and long-lasting impact than anyone expected, and Essence Communications, Inc. has not been immune to it. In their statement, they say this is why we are making the business decisions we are making today. Prior to COVID-19, because of the investments we have made over the past two years, we've been able to preserve and even grow Essence Magazine, the Essence Festival of Culture, and our digital platforms, even as many Black-owned media were unable to do the same. While COVID-19 changed the trajectory of that growth, we are planning to get back on track quickly, and we remain committed to making the investments necessary to drive deeper and greater cultural impact via our magazine, digital, and virtual experiences as we also stand at the ready for the much-anticipated return of live experiences. Now, what they announced is that uh, they are, as they, after, thoroughly, uh, after a thorough analysis of our business and its financial position, and carefully exploring all options for continued viability. Uh, they announced they're making the decision to implement temporary measures to account for the ongoing significant negative impact of the pandemic. And that is, uh, again, uh, the company informed impacted team members today. And, while, and uh, while no furloughed employee will perform any work on behalf of ECI during this period, we will pay everyone impacted throughout this week and will cover their medical benefits 
premiums throughout the furlough. We will remain in touch with all of those impacted to provide relevant and pertinent updates regarding this matter. We do not anticipate that any furloughs will exceed six months. Now, I reached out to the folks, uh, uh, Rich Dennis, uh, the brother who owns Essence, to find out when you say uh, all everyone's going to be furloughed, does that mean that uh, there's going to be no work being done uh, on the digital platforms of Essence? Have not heard back. Uh, but uh, all staff of Essence uh, by the end of this week will be furloughed as a result of COVID-19. And they say they don't think it's going to last more than six months. Sorry, folks. Uh, it has been uh, a jam-packed day, jam-packed week. Our goal, of course, here at Roland Martin Unfiltered is to provide you the best news possible, which is why we need your support to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, every dollar you give that goes to support this show makes it possible for us to do what we do. There are more than eight, nearly 9,000 of you were live today on YouTube, which is the highest number we've ever had watching on YouTube simultaneously. Uh, or, and this is about 6,000 of you left right now. Y'all can give right there on YouTube. Why is this important? Because the story that I just read, and that is we have got to have black media platforms that are speaking to our news and our interests, such as what Shereen Mitchell talking about digital voter suppression, such, of course, the, the brother talking about uh, STEM program there uh, impacting uh, uh, Silicon Valley. This is why having an opportunity to be able to have guests talk about these very issues. That's why we need to have this. And so you make that possible. And so when you give to Cash App and PayPal and Venmo, when you mail that mail order, you make it possible for us to hire staff to be able to send out our alerts to do live streaming that's why it matters we've got great partners like AFSME. they of course been a partner with us since we started uh, partners like seek.com uh, we appreciate them as well but we need your support as well so please dollar sign rm unfiltered dollar sign rm unfiltered on the cash app paypal.me forward slash r martin unfiltered venmo.com forward slash rm unfiltered you can also send a money order to new vision media inc make it payable to new vision media inc in new vision media inc 1625 k street northwest suite 400 washington dc 2006 also don't forget uh you can also uh listen to our podcast we pod we uh, the audio of this show it's available on the iheart uh radio uh app and so you can check us out there as well so we want you to join our bring the funk fan club Nearly 13,000 people are members. Our goal by the end of this year is to have 20,000 of our fans as members of our fan club. We want you to join, folks. We ask you to give uh, 50 bucks uh, each. That's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. If you want to give more, you want to give less, every dollar does indeed count. And I certainly appreciate all of you who have helped us thus far, and so does our staff as well, because y'all make it possible for us to do this every single day to be black and unapologetic. Also, shout out Langston University. I've been wearing uh, different HBCU gear uh, for the last uh, week. I wore something different yesterday, so I want to shout out the folks in Oklahoma, my Alpha Brothers, president of Langston University. So shout out to all the folks uh, at Langston. Thank you very much uh, for having me on your campus. I also gave a commencement address to your school as well. Uh, folks, uh, we talked about, uh, you talked about a lot of the viral ads going out there. Here is the latest roundup of anti-Donald Trump ads. I wanted you to see it. Check this out. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists? I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm... it. Do it. Say it. 
That was painful, Donald. So weak. I mean, really bad. Well, I'm the one that brought back football. Your debate reviews are so stupid. Terrible. Biden showed America you're a loser. The fact is, this man doesn't know what he's talking about. You have you repeatedly... Wait, you have repeat, no, you you've been talking you about... Not point. your finest hour, Donald. No, you know, sir... I would love to end it. You know, if you want to switch seats... Your performance was, well, weak. Stand back and stand by. You failed. Embarrassing. You're losing, Donald. Les, don't ever use the word smart with me. Your administration is falling apart. Falling apart. Your campaign is running out of cash and your personal finances. So broke. Ouch. Your presidency is nothing more than a house of cards, Donald. You're losing everything. And it just collapsed in front of the whole world. For the first time, anonymous sources have leaked to the Lincoln Project video of Donald Trump's private debate prep. The public can now gain unprecedented insight to Trump's secret plan to win the debate. Jared Kushner attacks Chris Christie, who put Kushner's dad in prison. Rudy Giuliani presents evidence that Vice President Biden is a member of a secret sect formed by Amtrak conductors with plans for world domination. Chris Christie accuses Jared Kushner of eating all the snacks. They fight, they fight, they fight! Donald Trump demands the CDC announce he has won the debates. What followed was too graphic to release. Follow the Lincoln Project for the latest as this zoo story drama continues. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. I cannot implore you enough, folks, 33 days until Election Day, 33 days. Uh, there are some deadlines coming up soon for you to register to vote. I want to give you those deadlines, and so please pull that graphic up. Folks, here's the deal. In the next week, listen to me clearly, in the next seven to ten days, you are going to see these states where you no longer can register to vote. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense for us to yell and scream about you need to vote if you are not registered. If you're sitting out there and you're saying, man, I'm not going to vote, that is crazy. You saw the nuttiness that took place last night with Donald Trump. Leave that graphic up for me, please. I need y'all to understand the future for our children's children is based upon what we do when it comes to elected officials. You do not have to love or like a politician to vote for them. But you damn sure had, had got to be involved. We've got a brother, Jamie Harrison, running in South Carolina. He can beat Lindsey Graham. We've got a brother, Mike Espy, running in Mississippi. She, he can beat Cindy Hyde-Smith. You've got, uh, a, you got Tom Tillis, Republican, who was the architect of the voter suppression law in North Carolina, who is down right now to uh, 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 Cal Cunningham in North Carolina. Black folks in North Carolina, y'all can make that possible. Raphael Warnock, uh, he can also, you can make it possible there. You got black folks who are running for congressional seats, district attorney, judges. We have got to ensure that we have folks who have our interest in speaking to our agenda in elected office. So Alaska, Rhode Island, your deadline is October 4th. Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Ohio, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas. Your deadline is October 
5th, Illinois, Nevada, New Mexico. Your deadline is October 6th. Missouri, you're October 7th. Idaho, New York State, North Carolina, Oklahoma, your deadline is October 9th, October 10th for Delaware. All of you need to understand we cannot change the condition of this country if we allow our power to go untapped. That means, and we're going to have to use our power, that means that we're going to have to get registered. That means I want each one of you reaching out to five people and say, are you registered? And if they're not registered, make them get registered. Go to vote.org. Go to IWillVote.com and then have your plan to vote. I need y'all to vote in early voting. Don't wait for November 3rd. If you want to do mail-in balloting, I need you to follow every single direction to the letter because Donald Trump and the Republican Party, they're going to try to throw your ballots out. That's how they're going to try to steal this election. I do not, let me be clear, I do not agree with every single thing that Joe Biden says. I am going to push him and push Senator Kamala Harris on issues that we care about if they win. But when you have a man last night who would not condemn white supremacists, then that's all you need to know about who Donald Trump is. And last point, I need y'all to stop listening to any of these ignorant ass people on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook telling you not to vote. You need to stop following them. You need to stop retweeting them, resharing them because they are ignorant and you know exactly who they are. They have no plan. They have no agenda. They don't care about our people and all they are there is to sow dissension. You should look at them as the opposition to black interest. Folks, I have nine nieces and four nephews. I understand the world that they should be living in in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. What I will not do is stand by and allow this generation to screw it up for them because we chose to be conceited. We chose to be evil. We chose to be arrogant. We chose to be silly and not do our part when it comes to the election. And when the election is over, we're going to challenge everybody to move forth our agenda. And if they don't, we're going to replace them the next time. That is how you use your power. Folks, after this, I'll be hanging out uh, on Instagram uh, with Fat Joe. So y'all can we'll go over there and check me out right now. I got to go. I'll see you guys tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Don't forget, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. Support our Bring the Funk fan club. Give right here on YouTube because ain't no other place giving to you the way we give it to you when we bring the funk like we do in Roller Martin Unfiltered. When we are black-owned, we're independent, and we don't ask anybody for their damn permission to talk about us.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest? Would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.